I love that little girl, don't you? There's just something about her that reminds me of the words of Jesus in the Gospels when he likens little children to the kind of people he wants adults to be. And that is trusting. And as she just quotes Psalm 23, it's just so trusting, isn't it? And she's such a contrast from the mom. And I want to ask you this weekend, who you can relate to more? Do you feel more like that little girl who's just quoting Psalm 23? You know, the Lord is my shepherd, surely. Or do you feel like that mom who's just exhausted from Christmas and all the hard work that's involved in getting Christmas ready, but then also really focused on the future and worried about so many things? I think if we were to be honest with each other, a lot of us who are adults would have to say that the truth is, we have a lot of worries that are kind of staring us in the eyes. What are some of the worries that you're focused on as you look ahead to 2011? I'm going to guess that some of us are worried about our finances, worried about our jobs, maybe worried about our health, or perhaps you're worried about loneliness, or some other issue that's just bothering you and it just it seems to consume you. I mean, is that the way we were meant to live? Were we meant to live our lives filled with worry? Or were we meant to live worry-free lives? Popular pastor and author Rick Warren suggests that we were never meant to live a life of worry, but we were meant to live a worry-free life. And as I was reading some of the things that he was saying about that, I thought to myself, I can't improve on that. And so I just wanted to share with you some of the things that really stuck in my heart and in my mind as I considered the scriptures and the whole issue of worry, which is something that I know I personally uh, wrestle with from time to time. I know Rick Warren starts out by talking to us about what, what's wrong with worry, why, why we shouldn't worry. You might want to jot down a couple of these things. For instance, worry is so unhelpful. Worry is unhelpful. You can't change the past by worrying about what has been And you cannot change the future about worrying about what will be in the the days or the years ahead. The only thing that worry ultimately can do is ruin today. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Well, it won't change the past and it won't change the future. It will make today miserable. And in all honesty, there are some of us that are kind of miserable. I mean, even this day after Christmas, when there's been so much celebration, so much joy, there's a sense of ache in our hearts. There's a sense of feeling kind of miserable because we're already looking ahead and we're thinking about all the stuff that we're going to have to deal with and we're wondering how, how we're going to get through it. Worry is not only unhelpful, but worry is also unreasonable. I don't know if you've ever met somebody who is frantic, but frantic people can be unreasonable. And there's a tendency sometimes for us to take really small things and turn them into these huge issues because we get so upset about it. The other day, my wife, Marsha, and my, my grandson, Harrison, were, were outside making the first snowman of the season. And uh, they started with just this tiny little ball of packed snow, and they rolled it around the yard until finally it was this pretty good-sized, large ball of snow. And I think that's what a lot of us do with worry. We get an issue in our mind and we roll it around and we roll it around and we roll it around in our mind until it gets so big that it it actually overwhelms us. And we just feel the weight of that. 
And, and that just, that's just so unreasonable to, to allow worry to distort things in our minds and, and to distort things in our hearts. I mean, it's unreasonable to worry about something you cannot change. If you think about this, it's, it's unreasonable to worry about something you can change. I mean, that's insanity if you really think about it. I mean, if there's something you're worrying about right now that you could change, you need to change it. But worry is also unhealthy. I mean, worry causes all kinds of issues. I mean, worry causes headaches, worry causes stomach aches, ulcers, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I mean, worry can lead to insomnia and nervous twitches. I mean, worry can can put you in the grave way too early. It can lead to heart attacks and all kinds of, of things. You are not created to worry. I was not created to worry. We were not born and then naturally just began to worry. Worry is something that we learn. We learn it from our loved ones. We learn it from our friends. We learn it from our relatives. We learn it from this crazy culture around us. But here's the good news. If worry is something that I learned, if it's something that you learned, then it means it's also something that you and I can unlearn. And the question is, how can we, learn, how can we unlearn worry? How can we live a worry-free life, a relatively worry-free life? And I want to answer that question by going back to that passage that that little girl quoted. I like to call her Shirley, all right? So this is the verse that Shirley quoted. And it actually is the entire 23rd Psalm. So if you want to take your Bibles and open it up to that much-beloved Psalm, let's read it. I'm going to read it for you out of the New Living Translation. Listen to these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely, your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I want you to come back to that first verse. Because that's where we're going to learn how to live a worry-free life life. There are a couple of principles we can extract out of that verse. And the first principle is, is simply this. If you want to live a worry-free life, then you have to believe that God is going to take care of you. Do you believe that this weekend? Do you believe that God is going to take care of you? Because if you can believe that God's going to take care of you, then what is there to worry about? There really isn't anything to worry about. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Now, David was a shepherd. He took care of sheep. And so he sees himself as one of God's sheep, and God is the shepherd. And David knew that the shepherds did things like protect their sheep. He said, God's going to protect me. Provide. God's going to provide for me. Guide. God's going to guide me along in life if I look to him. And correct. I mean, God, I got, like a good shepherd, will correct me when I start going the wrong ways. Do you believe that God wants to guide, protect, provide, 
and correct your life. If you do, then you can trust him and and you can be worry-free. Because if you really believe that God's in control, that God is caring for you, there really isn't anything to worry about. I love the words of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11. He says, referring to God, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Philippians 4.19 says this. Paul says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God wants to be my shepherd. God wants to be your shepherd, our shepherd together as a compass church. And he says that he's going to meet our needs. Now, I need to call a little time out there because in this material culture that we live in, we have a real tendency to confuse our needs and our wants. You see, markers are, are trained to convince us that there are no options in life. That whatever it is they're selling to us, we have to have it because if we don't have it, we're going to die as a result of that, right? Right? So we go out there and we spend unnecessary money to buy things we really don't need. God says he'll take care of our true needs to exist. But God nowhere promises us that he's going to meet our wants. And that begs the question, why why doesn't God want to meet my wants? I think there are a couple of reasons why. First of all, God doesn't want us to commit idolatry. I don't know about you, but when I really want something really bad... And, and I get it. I, I tend to give it a lot of my attention because it starts to kind of fill a void in my life. Now, usually it doesn't last too long. And uh, those of you with uh, children, you've just experienced Christmas. And, you know, perhaps your child got something they really wanted. Maybe your adult child got something they really wanted. And, and they, want, they want to spend all kinds of time with it. That gadget, that toy, that video game, whatever it is. God knows that we have a tendency to commit idolatry with the things that he gives us, the things that we really want. And God wants us to just want him. God wants our focus to be on him. And so oftentimes God withholds those things in our lives so that our focus will stay on him. But there's a second reason why I think God holds back on the things that we want. And that's because we have a a tendency to allow the things that we want in life to cause us to drift from what God wants to do through our lives. The reason why he left us here. I mean, I want you to think about this with me right now. Why doesn't God take us home the moment we accept his son, Jesus Christ, as our savior? Why not just, you know, evacuate us out of this world? The reason God leaves us here is so that we'll carry out his mission. Remember what his mission is. He's willing that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. Jesus came to save those who are lost and he wants us to be engaged in that same mission. And that's why he's left us here and that's why we need to take what we have and our gifts and our talents and our possessions and be good stewards of them toward the mission for which God has left us here. You say, well, how, how can I know God as my shepherd? He asked that question is really simple. First, you've got to accept his son into your life. And the way that we accept Jesus Christ into our lives is to admit that we're shepherdless, to admit that we are sinners, to admit that we don't measure up, to admit that what we deserve from God is not his love, but we deserve his punishment. 
You see, God doesn't want to punish us because God, by definition, is love. So what he did is he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on the cross for our sins, to take our punishment on himself so that God could forgive us and so that God could fill us with the presence of his spirit. Once I receive Christ into my life, I become a sheep in God's fold. I become one of the sheep. He becomes my shepherd. But another important part of that is making him the Lord of my life or the CEO of my life. Giving him control and charge over everything in our lives. Now, conceptually, I think a lot of us do that. But practically, a lot of us, including me, struggle with letting God be in control of our lives. It's a lot like when you teach your child how to drive where they first get their license and they want the keys to the car. I remember those days when my kids wanted the keys to the car and I was going to ride with them, except I was not going to have my hands on the steering wheel. I would be sitting in the passenger seat. Remember what those days were like? And you hand the keys over to your 16-year-old and they start driving and, you know, you're kind of really paying attention, looking around, making sure everything's okay. And perhaps all of a sudden, they got themselves into a situation with a lot of traffic. Maybe it started to rain, maybe sleet, maybe some snow. And all of a sudden, your hands are sweating. Your feet are tapping an imaginary brake. And you're ready to clutch the dash because you're in a situation that you know they're not prepared for. And, and so the next thing you know, you're saying, pull the car over. And they're like, no, you pull the car over. I don't want to pull the car over. Why? Because I'm older and more experienced than you. I, I handle these situations. I need to take over. And you grab the wheel and uh, you start to relax because now you're in control. Now here's the deal. A lot of us have a habit of, te- of treating God like he's a 16-year-old. You know, everything's going along in life really well. and God's in control. And all of a sudden, there's an issue in our life. It's a health issue. It's a financial issue. It's a marriage or relational issue of some sort. And we get nervous. And right away, we want to grab the wheel from God because we know better than God. Really? Let me ask you a question right now that I have to ask myself. It feels sometimes like on a daily basis. Who's got their hands on the steering wheel of your life right now? God or you? Because God's not going to share the wheel. God's not going to like, well, I'll have, you know, I'll take the 10 o'clock position. You have the 3 o'clock position. And let's steer this thing together. That's an accident waiting to happen, isn't it? The deal is, I've got to let God be in control. Is God in control of your life right now? The second principle comes out of Psalm 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And that is, we need to learn to bring everything to God in prayer. If God is my shepherd and he's concerned about my life, he wants me to share my life with him. The problem is most of us, when we pray to God, have a tendency only to talk to God about the things that we think he wants to hear. And the truth is, God wants to hear everything about your life. He wants you to talk to him about every concern that you have in your life. It's not a bother to him. It's not a pain to him. He's not like your spouse. He's not like your parents. He's not like your friends. He's not like your siblings who say, I don't want to hear about it. Don't bother me with it. No. God says anytime, any day, I don't care if it's 2 a.m. or 2 in the afternoon, 
I want to know what's on your heart. I love the words that we find in Philippians chapter 4. Paul is speaking. He begins and he says in verse 6, Don't worry about anything. Did you catch that? Don't worry about what? Everybody together? Anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Isn't that beautiful? Then you will experience God's peace. Not worry, but God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to pray about everything. And you know, one of the things that I've learned in my life and am learning in my life is to take my worries and turn them back toward God as prayers. And just, you know, if I'm worried about finances, instead of sitting there worrying about it, turn it into a prayer and say, God, here's the thing I'm really concerned about. You know, things are really tight right now and and I need wisdom and help. Or God, I made some bad choices. I got myself in some unnecessary debt. I misspent my money. I need wisdom, God, from you and from your word to, to change this thing, to get it corrected, to know how to go about handling this. God, I'm really sick right now. I, I, I got to go to the doctor. I got to have some tests done. I'm really worried about what it could be. God, my body belongs to you. You're in control. I'm not going to uh, uh, stress and be frustrated about this. I'm handing my body over to you. And sometimes I have to keep bringing that back to God over and over again. I love what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. It says, give all, hear that? All your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares about you. In another version it says, cast all your cares. That word give or, or cast simply means to drop or unload before God. God the things that you're worried about. The other night I was laying in bed and I just had so many things that were going through my mind, things I was anxious about. It's like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. and I'm just mulling this stuff over and I thought, man, you got to practice what you preach, Dale. And I remember laying in bed and saying, God, you know what? I can't solve this at 2 a.m. in the morning. So there's so many things I can't, some of these things I can't solve at all. So I just, I took those things and I just laid them before God. And as I was thinking about that and thinking about this message, I remembered something a therapist friend of mine taught me years ago when I went through kind of a, a crisis of anxiety in my life. And now uh, we sat down together and she told me to still myself and be quiet before God. And she led me in this exercise that I just want to share with you. And you might want to try it. And uh, it's something I would encourage you. You can do it anytime, but I would encourage you to do it at the end of the day before you go to bed. Now, let's find some place to get alone before God and just be with God. And focus on His sovereignty. Focus on His greatness. Focus on Him as being a, a shepherd. Maybe read aloud Psalm 23 and just get that in your mind. And then imagine that God hands you this box. And on the box it says, worries. And God opens the lid up. And he invites you to place in that box all the worries that you're struggling with. And so you imagine yourself putting in 
financial worries. Or you imagine putting in health worries, maybe a specific health worry. Or you imagine yourself putting in the name of a child or a spouse or a friend or loved one that you're worried about. You just put all those worries in, those bo- in that box until they're all out and they're all gone. Imagine God saying to you, now is that it or are you still hanging on to something? You come clean with God, you put it all in there. And then you watch God close the box. And then God says, I'm going to hang on to this while you sleep tonight. And then while God hangs on to that box, you sleep. You get up the next morning and God says, now I'll keep this today. I'll keep your worries. I'll keep the box today. And you go through life. Now here's what happens. Inadvertently, you are going to run up there, grab that box, open it up and pull a worry out and drag it around with you that day. But at the end of the day, when you come back before God and the box opens up, you're going to look at God and say, God, I'm sorry I took finances out. What was I thinking of? God, I'm putting it back in. And just that simple exercise is a way for me personally and perhaps a way for you to deal with worry and to remind ourselves that God ultimately is in control. You see, there's one more principle I want you to take note of. And I know this is trite, but it's true. Commit to live one day at a time. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. You know, it's said that sheep are very simple animals. And they live a day at a time. They, they just exist from one day to the next, completely dependent on that shepherd to guide them and take care of them. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. He said, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, look, don't let tomorrow's worries compound the issues of this day. I mean, today has enough issues taking place in it. Hand today over to God and just live one day at a time. Live with a sense of peace, a sense of sobriety, and a sense of trusting God that he is ultimately in control. You know, it's uh, Charlie Brown's philosophy that I think a lot of us have bought into. Charlie Brown put it this way. He says, I developed a new philosophy. I only dread one day at a time. Now, be honest with me this weekend. How many of you are living by Charlie Brown's philosophy? You dread one day at a time. Do you think that's how God wants you to live? Is that how God wants me to live? Are we supposed to go through life dreading each day? I got to be honest with you, there are days that I dread for all kinds of reasons. Cold, snow, issues that I have to deal with, deadlines that I have to meet, concerns that I have. But God says, lift those up to me. Don't be weighed down by that. God wants, to li- wants us to live one day at a time with a sense of his peace, with a sense of mission, with a sense of joy, with a sense that God has us here for a reason, that there's a purpose to our life outside of our worries. I heard about a guy who was flying across country in this plane. And uh, as he took off and uh, was getting situated, he heard this gnawing sound above him in the, in the cockpit, and he couldn't get to it. And he kept listening, and he realized there was a rat in the ceiling that was gnawing away 
at the cables. And I don't know if you know this, but rats have really sharp teeth. They can literally bite through steel if they work at it long enough. And he got kind of nervous because, you know, if that rat actually bites through one of those cables, it could spell his ruin and his death. And that's when he reminded himself that rats are rodents. They live underneath the ground. And so he pulled back on the yoke and he started to take his plane up higher and higher and higher and higher in altitude until the gnawing stopped. And a few hours later, when he landed that plane and was able to get up there in the ceiling, he discovered that indeed there was a rat, but it was now dead. Why had the rat died? Because it went too high in altitude and it couldn't survive up there. It can only survive down here. And that's the way worry is. Worry thrives in our flesh. Worry thrives in a materialistic world. Worry thrives in the culture that we live in, in a sin-infested culture. But worry dies when we bring it before God because God is bigger than any of our worries. Where are you living right now? Are you living in the now? Are you living in worry? Are you living in this world? Are you, are, are you trying to make things happen in your own power? Are you trying to drive the car? Are you trying to be in control of your life? Or you're repeatedly gaining altitude and going to God in prayer and going to God in meditation and turning those things back over to him, refusing to allow Satan to use them to get you off mission, to get you away from the focus that God has intended for your life. To me, it's a real step of faith to live worry-free. But there's no greater way to live. And God has given us the opportunity. Let's pray. Father, I just want to ask you to help us as we prepare to leave this year and enter into a new year. Learn to live a worry-free life. God, forgive us if we have in some way or another taken the steering wheel away from you. God, we want you to be in control of our lives. We want you to manage all the things that are taking place around us. We want to hand them over to you. And God, for the things that we've got to solve, for the issues we've got to take care of, give us wisdom through the counsel of your spirit, the counsel of your word, and the godly counsel of other followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're here this weekend, and the truth is, the Lord is not your shepherd. And I want to invite you this weekend to make Jesus Christ the shepherd of your life. It's so easy to do. All you have to do is confess to him your sinfulness and admit to him you're not in control, that you're not God, and ask him into your hearts. If you want to do that this weekend, then when our service is over, I want to encourage you to go out to our guest reception area here at the Hobson campus if you'll just speak to one of the pastors out there Pastor Rick or Pastor Steve and just say I want Jesus as my shepherd it's all you've got to say I want Jesus as my shepherd they'll help you and they'll lead you to prayer you can come to know that peace and grace in your life Father thank you so much for loving us this day 
Thank you so much for the hope that you bring us. Help us now to live a worry-free life. In Jesus' name, amen.